Greetings everyone, this is Vernon English once again, and you have stumbled upon the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast. Greetings, get comfortable, grab some tea, you can chill and... No. <laughs> greetings, greetings, greetings. What's up everyone? Uh, hopefully you're having a great day today. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. I took a day off yesterday uh, just to get my brain back and do some things that I had not previously done um, because I constantly do this thing. And I'm like, okay, well, let me take some time to actually think about what it is that I want to write. So yeah, welcome to the podcast. Let someone know. Um, hit the subscribe button. And I am on all multi-platforms, working on a lot of different projects. So it seems like I'm doing absolutely nothing and just smoking my weed. But that is the purpose of it, I guess. <laughs> you, you must understand that the goal is bigger or the plan is bigger. And each day it's etching away at something. It's tinkering away at something and misering away at, <clears throat> at this ultimate goal. So that's basically where we're at now. Uh, we're at the beginning of the third book, which is new. And I'm going to go over the third book again after it's done. But I quite possibly will start from the first book and then go through meticulously until the beginning of the fourth book. We'll, we'll see it and play it by ear. Just for those who have not or are not familiar with this book and the characters and all these other different things. So... Yes, give me comments too. Let me know what it is that you want more of and I'll leave Easter eggs for everyone. And yes, this is a great, great, great series. Uh, the last book, which is the third book, which I wrote in Venice and I'm currently working on another now, was fun, but completely different than the others. They added different characters. The second one, by far one of my favorites, just for the continuity of the storyline, but I introduced a whole different other world uh, times 20 compared to the first book, which was just a cool introduction. So yeah, we'll, we'll get into this one a bit more and then I will update and give little tidbits of what I'm working on the fourth book. I know it's like a non-disclosure agreement and stuff like this, but I generally will have these things published. So I want to get these to you as fast as possible and then be like, hey, 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 you know, the book is done. You can read it, right? And so then people are like, the book is done. And I'll be like, yo, yo, it is. And so you can read it and be confused in 3D real life. And then they'll be like, okay. <laughs> so the third book like I was saying was in a different vein um, looking at the table of contents now and I continued a few storylines from the second book but I also threw in some gambits from the first book obviously the band of the crow uh, the wild travels of Langston and the little Femula and basically her coming from this giant ocean the floating isles i even have a tree which actually if you could believe it it's not a bad storyline it's not boring 
to talk about a tree and its travels and its going on and nuances and things like this. And I have these other one shots in here too. But now that I'm looking at the, what would you call this? Table of Contents is really the Murphy tale or the tale of this young woman kind of took over the entire book. And I wanted it to do so, and I'll probably go into detail when I talk about it, but there was a thing where I'm not impartial to the Little Mermaid storyline. Like, the Little Mermaid story's cool and all that. It's great, but the real story from which it is derived from is a horrible, horrible, horrible tragedy. And I'm coming to find that every, probably every Disney story has a horrible tragedy or horrible storyline. Even the, what is that? The little Red Riding Hood and the Three Little Pigs and all that stuff. It's one of the most horrible stories I've ever heard in my life. All of them end in horrible tragedy or begin in horrible tragedy and then con continue that said storyline and it becomes a fairy tale. I did not want to carry that same vein of horrible things. I just wanted to add a mercurial story or lighthearted story over all of the things that were horribly going wrong in the world of Celestial. And let me tell you, I could go down a laundry list of things that were going horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> now, the book is shorter, and it was because I wanted to finish it, I wanted to get a different feel from the first two books. First two books were very, very long. Uh, the installments were long, and even the ones that I continued from the originals were very lengthy. And I wanted to shorten it just so that someone can comprehensively process all of these things that I was saying. And so I shortened it a little bit for the reader and myself, but the next book definitely the fourth book and the way that it's turning out now will be a mixture in between the long ones and the short ones so it'll be just a, a collaborative project of many different things like a smorgasbord of awesome 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 stories so i will um continue uh tinkering away and hacking away at the fourth book and i'll let you know where i'm at and when it'll be done which is soon, trust me, it is. As many times as I've done this, <laughs> it only takes a few more months, or if that, a week or two, to get into the groove of it. So, the first book, or rather the first book had this uh, feel, right? And so I was explaining what refugees were doing, and I was explaining how they were dealing with this loss, or how they were dealing with this overall super super tragedy of forgetting their memories and i'm thinking about this now of giving a tree a personified existence and it came off obviously as a browning or tarot or something where they brown actually uh, a different type of writing to give nature uh, a starting narrative and I always have the deeper reference for nature nature has this mystical 
elder slash knowingness about life that obviously humans attempt to mirror and I thought it was a great example to utilize uh, a tree and usually people have trees in their yard or they have them in their neighborhood or they have them somewhere but it's the least thing on their mind unless it's a tree in their yard about this thing and it sits there it doesn't move it's it sways in the wind it is a part of the scenery but never as a character or never as a personality and I wanted to give this said thing a personality and when people talk about the science behind trees or you think of chlorophyll or you think of cytoplast and different types of cell structures that are completely different than the animal cell structure it's the reason why they're called plants now to give cognizance and some sense of thinking to said tree is obviously just personifying it but I wanted to throw in the, the gambit too of other trees being in the vicinity but not being connected to this said tree and that is possible and very much so but also a sense of impossible considering the what would you call the species or yeah definitely the species or class of the tree and what I mean by this is that if you have a, a forest clearing or a place where there are no trees and you have a tree in the middle right there, that would be this story and what generally one would think of and they have in their mind. And then all the other trees are just beyond the clearing. And this tree has grown up, obviously, for years and years and years, thinking that it was alone. And the irony or the point of me mentioning or giving this sentience to the said tree is because it, it had the same about of emotions as if someone had forgotten their memories or it was placating to the emotions that it had forgotten his memories. So that that was really the, the secret or the overall under, under theme behind the, the beginning of the third book and the story. And did it affect the fauna? Did it affect all of the other things in the area? I truly did not give that answer. And if you could believe it, it was very Twilight Zone, very um, Alfred Hitchcock hour mentality by having an object or thing become the subject of this entire piece. And so... I also in included the Fetas, or F-A-T-A-S. And those are a mystical entity that, perchance, most of, or not all of the people of Celestial know about. And they just attribute it the same way that they did the Time God, of some super cosmic, whatever you want to call it, higher order of level of, of being. And having this ability to determine what happens in life uh, obviously is indicative of their name being called the Fetas, or F-A-T-A-S, um, indicative of the Fates um, from ancient mythology and all this stuff like that. So that, that, that was a real cool thing. I peppered it in, and, and so I read the last part, and it said, 
Uh, one tree discovered foresight. Problematic conjectures when green buds supply no head. Not even the spiders dare congregate to one in particular. Alone upon a hill, the faders marvel. And that's where I mentioned the faders. For the other trees felt no threat. How could such a thing be when even the dead held on to cosmic fruit never bare? Reaching out through sugared speech, the groove stared, or the grove stared, starved for answers holding brooded hands underneath. Flowering discussion, a council shifted, said celestial beyond the hollow skies hair, dressing the infinity as if all were just there, unique. And so I finished this the last time, but I, I wanted to comment on just and base of the difference of this book versus the first two books. Obviously, you could tell from this first piece and how it is paced different, but I also not only gave one tree sentience, but all the trees sentience. And they had their own little council of meetings and they met their hands underneath the ground, which means their roots. And that's how they communicated. And if you were to look online and look on YouTube, I could actually give you a biological account of how trees connect underneath the ground and how they actually move. It's not something where you just see a tree just in one place their whole entire life. There is a, a difference of growth and circumference from obviously their trunks to the point of them being sprouts to the point of them actually being adolescent trees to adult trees and it is a process that takes years but to them maybe it's just a few months or something I, I don't know that I was going into this personification and, and placing myself in their shoes it, it goes truly beyond that and then I have another story that continues it but hearing colors kill sounds is a varied amount of different stories the stories I'm working on now are completely different conversations that I will attempt to have some continuity and basis uh, 50 years from now if someone was to ask what was the purpose of this speech? What was the purpose of this words or, or why uh, did I have to tell said story? And I can always tell them that it was meant for you very abstractly how you comprehend whatever it is that I give to you is completely up to you and there is no set motive there is no complete uh, what would you call secret theme uh, obviously the theme can be layered like a cake and and I do so through alliteration and analogies but when you think about it the tree who believed himself alone is a funny thing in itself because no tree is alone regardless if they're on a forest by himself or on a, a mountain by themselves there's always at least some grass or at least something else that can connect to said thing uh, through roots underneath the ground and so it, it comes off as almost as an impossibility and which is very possible their story in itself gives so many different analogies to a lot of different people in Celestial who believe themselves alone. And inevitably they were if they were experiencing their own emotions and experiencing their lives or livelihoods. Obviously it belonged to them. 
but there is this sense of connectedness that is connected to everyone. Uh, if someone is affected in a city, you know that, okay, I will see them never. <laughs> it's like, yo, yo, the, the city is made to be condensed, but it alleviates this sense of togetherness in many times because you, you may or may not see that person ever again and you just walk down the street. However, that that's the dichotomy or this this double-edged sword because there is a connectedness with someone in the city or this small mom-and-pop mentality if you are someone who frequents a street and comes to said street every day. And so then you build a rapport and then it becomes, oh, well, hey, I always see this guy. And that is a small-town mentality type of thing where everyone knows this one person and then they know all these people now I wanted to juxtapose this because there are two different types of these types of stories in the third book the the knowingness or this sense of camaraderie and then this alienation that inevitably happens from both it's a cool thing and it's a juxtaposition of many different analogies that I have but I wanted to paint both of these pictures for the third book because it's, it's completely different than the first and second. The first was the introduction. The second was me on super creatine attempting to pump out this giant book. And the third book was kind of me getting into a voice and settling, not settling, but creating a niche that I could come back and meticulously hack away at like I'm doing now. And so uh, I have a lot of one shots in the third book too and ones that I don't continue and I go into more depth of the stories or one shots from the first book and the first book basically to continue these stories I just gave like the second part of what happened and that would be the continuity of it and then I leave it and then leave like an open-ended question or something like this uh going to the floating aisles the the thing that i have for the floating aisles is so special and i can't wait to wheel it out for you guys but it, it deals with certain mentalities of this hierarchy if you will or the this higher set of living and it's a completely awesome story and and i'll go into it in detail uh soon when i when i get to that part but just to give you a preview is to talk about it is it's derived from the comic books and I know not only Jack Kirby but probably Chris Claremont and a couple of other different great writers from Marvel name drops and <laughs> yes Marvel comic books and things like that where they, they come up with this this guy named High Evolutionary and I created a whole society based off of the mentality of not this guy because the high evolutionary is very maniacal and quite possibly evil and I don't even know where he creates and does I don't even know his, his plight like that dude he's on a whole different other level he's up there with like the the ancient ones and a whole bunch of other different stuff where he has no just 
I don't even know how to even call it. Not that I even have a heart for life. He just plays with things and it has no sense of remorse in any way, shape, or form. But anyway, high evolutionary uh, mentality and to understand the, the intellect and the, the prowess or the mystical nature of someone like that is not, not only a conversation in itself, and so you leave that on read, but then you have to approach this said person from the point of reference of where you're at. And, and that's where the story for the Floating Isles inevitably um, meanders off into. And so these people have these conversations and so it'd be like someone who forgets their memories and then runs into these famous, awesome inventors in time. And so the inventors in time are looking at them like, hey, I remember at least important thinking like this. Well, how are you doing? And then the people that are looking at them are like, wait, how are you communicating without speaking? Wait, how are you operating a society? Like, how is this even possible? And, and it goes on from there. So I appreciate you guys for listening. That That's enough of me meandering off and talking about trees. Who knew that you could listen to a podcast about trees and still be awake? My God. It's just, no, I'm joking, but (laughs) hit the subscribe button. This is The Seat of the Door with No Threshold, the third book. And I look forward to uh, updating more and giving you more updates on the fourth book. Constantly chipping away. This is Vernon English, a.k.a. V, and let someone know about the podcast. And be looking for more. Peace, peace.